Live from the Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. Here we go, 4 o'clock hour, a little bit early today with the Big Five because we're heading off to World Series Baseball at 5 o'clock right here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 and 100.9 FM. Willie is hanging out at Nova Home Loans. Mateo's here. It's Cofield back in our Finley Toyota Studios. It's Ari. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Four, number five. Lousy, lousy day around Las Vegas and well beyond what goes on in the world of sports and Sadly, in a lot of ways, deja vu because we had uh, a tragic crash where someone lost their life back in December at the hands of a, a local star athlete in the high schooler, Zion Collins, who is still going through the whole legal process. And we find out this morning that uh, Henry Ruggs had a similar accident uh, driving his Corvette. Don't know what speed. Don't know if he was impaired. Uh, latest update on this from the records at CCDC. What's happening? Uh, just it's it, he was booked. Uh, looks like at two eleven. Um, looks like two charges DUI. Um, there was no bail um, listed. These are this is straight from the inmate in custody report at the Clark County Detention Center. Right. Um, reckless driving. Also, it looks like five thousand dollar bail. Um, assuming that he's going to, I'm not, I'm not sure if. Considering the power lawyers that he has, I would imagine that I, I would have thought that he would possibly got out, get out on his own recognizance. Um, maybe not, or have to post some bail, um, possibly because there's a death that automatically negates that. Um, and then I would assume his arraignment will be in the morning and see what he ends up being charged with. Um, still no report on blood alcohol level that I see of online. Um, 23-year-old female still no name released so a young life taken in this and and please people let's not lose focus of that and i know that this is the number one thing we've been hearing obviously and we hear every single time that a life is taken don't drink and drive we live in a 24-hour town um you know i remember 20 years ago when designated drivers and a lot arrive alive came out when you could call somebody and they would drive you in your car home you have so many options now but Let's not lose focus, and I get it. A lot of Raiders fans are posting on his Instagram, his very last post, or tagging him in tweets, praying for you, um, thinking about you, hope you'll get through this, stay strong. Let's not forget about prayers of the victim in that Henry Ruggs made a choice to get behind the wheel. We don't know all the facts, no, um, but obviously the official report that's been released, the police report that was just sort of, there's a lot of media members, verified media members are tweeting that out in the full report that he appeared to be impaired on scene. Um, so we don't know the blood alcohol level, but the fact of the matter is, let's just say that he was not legally drunk and, and the, the, or whatever it may be, legally impaired, I should say. Um, I misused that word. I apologize. Um, he was speeding at, 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 at a rate that caused this Toyota RAV4 to burst into flames. At 3.39 in the morning, what would cause you to speed? And I grew up there. Well, I grew up in two different parts of town, two different areas. But Spring Valley, when Spring Valley was a prime location to in the mid-80s, that's a highly residential area between Trop and Flamingo. On Rainbow, when Spanish Trail first was built, 
Northampton. I remember that area well. Now it's somewhat of a center of the north and southwest area of town. Highly residential area, high rate of speed, potential DUI. Let's not lose focus that someone lost their life. On the Raiders now and dealing with this. Yeah. Because like you said, the most important thing here is is the victim. Tomorrow, there should be media availability. This is a team that already went through a shocking change with its coach. They talked about needing to collect themselves. These are very rare situations where a player is involved uh, you know, in a crime of a crash at this level. Tomorrow, I'm guessing we're going to hear from Rich Bisaccia maybe a couple of players um, and then they've got to get ready for a football game you know freaking five days later four days later uh, you know interestingly enough coming off the bye the Raiders have had a history of just being horrifically unprepared and they're three and 15 the last 18 seasons off the bye so from a football standpoint I don't know I have no idea what's going to happen this yeah. week and again I, they've already been something you know through something bad this is horrific yeah I think the most popular most notorious famous off the bye week record that we all know of and that's it's based always based on culture is Andy Reid's success so on this one you know the Raiders have been through several coaches during that 3 and 15 run so I mean whether that's from the locker room standpoint or what but this was a locker room that sort of regenerated itself after the email scandal that came out with John Gruden um, and, and bonded after two horrific losses that somewhat sandwiched that email scandal. And Derek Carr said it best in answering our own Adam Hill in that, no, this bye week is coming at the perfect time because we haven't had a chance, I haven't had a chance to process this and really collectively think about what went down. And his neighbor is John Gruden. And let's not forget, he he, he told uh, one of the broadcast teams that he was driving home from practice and saw John Gruden out for a walk in their neighborhood. And he pulled over and sort of rolled his window down. He said, what's up, coach? You you good? And he said, keep driving. You have a game to prepare for. Don't worry about me. So, you know, this team came together. They brought the leaders came together. The owner, the general manager, the captains, they addressed the team. They focused. They went to Denver. They put it on the Broncos. They came home. They put it on the Eagles, two of their best performances of the season. They go into the bye week to, quote-unquote, process this. And now, a second-year player who Derek Carr has said has been like a little brother, took him under his wing. They did so many off-season workouts at that remote park location that they found. Um, you know, and a lot of other guys. Let's not forget about how many Alabama players are on this team that have known him from his college years right that they, they, they this was like you know this was this was a kid brother to a lot of players on this team this was a a, a, a highly regarded teammate that a lot of players loved we're happy with this offseason progress how they're going to process this and move forward after just getting through what they got through with Gruden and uh, you know it, it remains to be seen I'll be out there in the press room tomorrow, um, you know, get, getting, getting, talking to Basaccia. I'm assuming that we're still going to get Carr and Basaccia. There's usually a couple of other, other players. I, I'm wondering if we're going to hear from two captains, even though Waller's been uh, 
you know, inactive. I'm wondering if we'll hear from Darren Waller and Max Crosby. Yes. Um, a couple that are continue to recover. Um, yeah, recovering addicts. Recovering addicts. So um, tomorrow will be, you know, a, a, another emotional day for this team. We're probably going to see some moves the next couple of days as well. We've already seen a couple. Uh, Nathan Peterman cut, but it looks like he'll be back on the practice squad. The wide receiver position, there are going to be some players available in the next couple of weeks, and we'll see if they're going to shore up the ranks. Javen White was re- was waived. Peterman was released. So I'm not sure if... I used cut because I didn't know yeah. the difference yeah, between I, any of them. I, I, think, I believe that... Speculation is Peterman... Could be back on the could practice be back squad. on the practice squad, and yeah. maybe Jay and that White, White will as well. Yeah. So with with the with the roster at fifty one, including Rugs, you got to get to fifty three. We'll see. We'll see how that shakes out uh, with the talk of Deshaun uh, Sean Jackson out there. Um, I will say the Raiders have done a hell of a job working the the market yeah. to pick up players, important at, players, yes. basically from preseason on. Right. They haven't nailed it on everyone, but they've nailed it at a high level with a bunch of them. They've nailed it. They've they've come pretty close to nailing it where they needed it, especially from a leadership standpoint um, and picking up from the defensive side of the balls. This here here we come now. You have a situation where you know you got to plug in some holes and and you got to re-strengthen that that receiving depth. Um, Foster Moreau stepped up in Waller's place. Henry Ruggs has done a great job with some big time plays using that speed. Um, giving Derek Carr an option. Zay Jones is a diverse guy. But, Don't forget uh, they're, the, they're gonna need... the the plan for the Joker position was to throw a lot of balls the way out of the backfield of yep. uh, Kenyon Drake. Yeah, but you and you, you just don't want to get him tapped too many times. You know, we need an update on the status of Josh Jacobs. So, um, a lot of questions will be answered tomorrow. Um, we hope. Um, again, terrible situation, but the Raiders are going to have to push through. Um, you know. <laughs> Talk about a next man up mentality with the two local, our two local pro teams in town, the Golden Knights and the Raiders. Um, you know, and feeling it in different ways, with the Golden Knights dealing with injuries and the Raiders dealing with off field distractions. Let's do a giveaway right now, three six four eleven hundred. A giveaway right now, three six four eleven hundred. Caller eleven, caller eleven, caller eleven. How about this? Two tickets to the Rolling Stones at oh. the Al on Saturday. Two tickets to the Rolling Stones at Allegiant Stadium on Saturday. You can get your own tickets at Ticketmaster dot com caller 11 364 we'll bounce around the league and see what happened on trade deadline day and then get into some of the other big news of the day and that includes unlv changing a bit in terms of its policy football over at allegiant you do not have to be fully vaccinated at the thomas and mac for running rebel basketball you will have to be fully vaccinated it's the big five at four brought to you by battleborn injury lawyers 570 Play action fake to Williams. Freel back has time. Firing for the end zone. Caught touchdown. Kyle Williams. A 23-yard strike, and he was wide open. Cofield and Company is on the road at the Nova Home Loan Studio. Congrats to James, who won our Rolling Stones tickets. That's awesome. Very awesome. Uh, we got a lot to get to here before we head off to the World Series at 5 o'clock. Sam Peniotovich, gambling insider, is going to join us at 445 willie's here it's cofield hey i just want to just mention that uh you know we are so excited about college basketball i know you are uh our boy todd simon southern U- uh southern utah right 
ranked preseason ranked number one in the Big Sky, twenty three in the mid major rankings. I just want to throw that nice. Out there. Give them a shout Very out. nice. Yeah. All right. Well, we're talking rankings. Okay. CFP is coming out. Uh, I gave out my the Cofield football playoff ranking. Yes, I gave the uh, CFP. The I guess it would be the CCFP. It would sound a little bit uh, Russian, uh, Soviet. Um, my rankings. I have Oklahoma at number ten, ten to one. Oklahoma, Wake Forest, Notre Dame, Michigan, Oregon, Michigan State, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Cincinnati. Uh, as it turns out, the committee is thinking along the same path as I was with Oklahoma about quality of opponents and margin of victory. Oddity at quarterback. Both guys are good, but Heisman winner lost his job. We don't know a whole lot about Caleb Williams. Oklahoma is actually in the actual CFP. I'll call it the unofficial one, but it is official. Uh, Oklahoma's only eight. So keep in mind, mm-hmm. my rankings are 100% troll free. Uh, I will always say with the college football playoff rankings, it is a TV show. Okay. It's a TV show. So I do think things are designed in a in a bit of a setup, the way they do this whole thing. So and by the way, and, they're, and they are they draw this process out. So we're going to get the uh, the top teams here in a second, as they're just coming out. Uh, Georgia is one. Alabama is Shocker. two. Yeah, not shocking at all. No, but but I want to put this out there. Quick disclaimer that. Steve is not saying all this today just to throw this out. If you go back and listen to Cofield and Company's Monday edition when we had Katie on, he said a lot of the same stuff that he's saying today, and he actually said that if I if I was going to do this, I would be putting up. And he said that he believed TV is for TV, so on and so forth. I was going to tweet out that, can you give me your rundown a little slower once again? Give us, give, yeah, us, give us the Cofield football playoff rankings. Hang on, let me get on the keyboard. By the way, if you're if you're ranting and raving right now that Oklahoma is number eight, you're a moron. You are a complete idiot. One, they actually are in the bottom half of the top ten. Watch the games. Without bias or an agenda. Two, like I said, it's a TV show. And believe me, for Lincoln Riley, this will be great. You're nine and zero, oh, and now you've got wear disrespected card to throw at your team full of five-star recruits. You want, you want the rankings again? So Oklahoma 10, Wake 9, Notre Dame 8. These are mine. Michigan 7, Oregon 6, Michigan State 5, Ohio State, yes, lost to Oregon head-to-head. That should count a lot, but the teams have changed so much. Ohio State is 4. Uh, then Alabama 3, Georgia 2, and Cincinnati 1. And I'll tell you right now, the SEC teams better watch themselves on strength of schedule because they uh, they all have this weird thing where they play you know some sister of the poor school late in the season. In the South, they'll be dropping that week, unless it's 150 to nothing. They'll be dropping regardless. You, you don't you don't schedule games like that. It's weak sauce late in the season. Uh, quick update: one nothing Maple Leafs. Okay. Much needed. <laughs> Just want to sure. throw that out there. Yes. Now there's a lot going on right now. There is. There's a ton going on. These rankings are hilarious. So social media is just freaking blowing up, blowing up. They're gonna. Oh well, they're gonna go crazy because you're you're gonna see. Oh, it was you. Remember yesterday I asked you which if you were because we talked about the Big Ten, and I said which fans, you know, would you rather get under the skin of Michigan or Ohio State? I would venture to say that when these rankings, when it's all said and done. 
you know, by the end of the day, you're going to see more Ohio State. Buckeyes fans are relentless. I mean, blue. So is Big Blue, but yeah. I just think Ohio State. They're just they're just out there a little more. Uh, and totally predictable. If you're doing a TV show and you're trying to get ratings and you're trying to get people worked up, then of course you rank Cincinnati outside of the top five. So the top four are Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, and Oregon. So there you go. Cincy outside of the top five, but that's by design. Again, it's a television show. It's actually, you know, it's funny. I saw um, one of the guys, a couple guys who write for the, um, one of the Mountain West sites, right? A guy, Eli, and he was making a joke. It's going to be, said it's going to be funny when Wisconsin will be ranked ahead of unbeaten UTSA towards the end of the season. And I responded, I'm like, well, shouldn't that be the case? If you had Wisconsin and UTSA in a neutral field right now, would UTSA be favored? Against Wisconsin? Yeah. Probably not. They wouldn't be. Probably not. I will I will say again, watching some of these teams up close, right? On the UNLV schedule. Yeah. Texas San Antonio is the second worst team UNLV has played. You've said that. You told me that. Yeah. Well, I originally I said they were the worst team they played until they played Utah State. By the way, Utah State's six and two. But right. U, UTSA, it, it, I, I think Eastern Washington is better than UTSA. So like it's all it's all relative. You gotta watch these games. Just because teams go unbeaten. Doesn't you know? Doesn't mean that little UTSA gets to move into the top ten. So, did you see my tweet earlier? Did not it Sunday or it's Monday? I don't even know what it's about, and Sunday. I just said I do not. Yeah, I did not. Sunday or Monday, uh, I tweeted out that as of right now, the Mountain West Conference Championship is Fresno State versus Utah State, and I was going to add, but I couldn't because of characters, and I could have deleted some stuff just to be snarky. Is that remember when certain media members said? UNLV's lone win could be against Utah State. But what's crazy is UNLV had both those teams on the ropes. But right now... And I I don't want to... I'm not trying to beat up UTSA because they're they're a talented football team. It's a fun story. I'm glad they're doing well. I'm just just telling you what I saw. You're a sideline reporter, and of the games you saw, that's that's what you saw. Now, I also... I mean, again, you have to... Every game is different. Every half is... Every quarter is different. Um... When I watched Iowa State, I was like, hey, they're going to win the Big 12. They, they have not panned out. They have not. And when you look at the um, when you look at the, the complexion of their schedule leading into after, you know, certain games, they really hadn't beat that their impressive offensive outbursts were against very bad teams with very bad defenses. So they've somewhat gotten a wake up call when playing quality teams. Coming back, uh, another quick update as we get more details on the uh, Henry Ruggs crash that killed a 23-year-old woman. Um, like I said, more details coming out on that from the accident scene and the report, and we'll uh, we'll get into the Thomas and Mac for UNLV games and the fully vaxxed situation now. Cofield got his mortgage tuned up. You should, too. Call 877-700-NOVA now to lower your interest rate and lower your payments. Fantastic Nova Home Loan Studios. It's Cofield and Company. So more details coming out. Specific details on the Henry, uh, Henry Ruggs crash right. that uh, killed a 23-year-old uh, this morning. Uh, the scene, 3.39 a.m., I think is when Metro got there. So the crash clearly happened uh, a little before that. But uh, turns out that Ruggs' uh, girlfriend, Kiara Washington, was a passenger in his car. 
uh, and listed as suffering significant injuries. So we're waiting on an update on that one as well. Yeah, that 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 had somewhat been out there that it, there was a female passenger that was confirmed. What wasn't yet was that it was in fact his girlfriend. Um, it was just one of those assumed um, points, I guess, or facts. But we, right. you know, it's one of those things again. As I go back to that, you know dot in the I, crossing the T. You just don't want to throw stuff out there. Just like that's why they're not releasing the name of the 23-year-old female who perished in this is so that way uh, Mexican can be notified and obviously they can do what they have to do to prepare for the media onslaught in a, in a high pro, which is going to become a very high profile case. And, and, you know, and that's another thing, Steve, that we have to keep in mind is that this is so widespread um, media-wise, social media-wise, and, and it, national news, and, and, and of course, our, our local media writing columns and opinions, and, and, and that this is a problem that takes place every single day, and that tomorrow or the next day, John Doe and Jane Doe, God forbid, but, you know, there, there are drunk driving incidents and accidents, um, and, and, we hear about different things, but we only take somewhat. We we have our concern out there, our our, our our red flags up, and our and our care and our prayers when it affects someone of a high profile nature. When it's mental health, when it's depression, when it's suicide. With this case, with drunk driving, because it's a raider. If it's a high profile case, we're 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 all over it. This is an ongoing issue with general society that we have to always be aware of and, and, and somewhat have some compassion for on a general basis. We've got the World Series coming up at five. Yep. Uh, right now, the Maple Leafs lead your Vegas Golden Knights with five minutes left in the first. It's one nothing as the Knights are starting off a four-game homestand. Uh, other big news of the day, the Thomas and Mac for UNLV running the Rebel Games will require attendees to be fully vaccinated, and then they'll have the same option, I guess, as the – Raiders with the uh, no masks inside. So I, you surprised? A little bit. Because because of the football. Uh, Because football, yeah, football went with something closer to what the Knights are doing. And I figured from a money standpoint that UNLV wouldn't want to potentially shut anyone out. But I guess in this case, they feel like safety comes first. And if they lose a little bit of money, I mean, I got a sprinkling of some Social media respondents, mostly eggs, right. um, fake names, you know, of course, uh, saying oh, I was going to the games. I was going to buy season tickets. So, I mean, it's the games next Wednesday, the opener. So I would figure you would have bought season tickets already. But there may be though. There are going to be some people who can't go. So I, I've uh, you got a problem I, that they can't go. No, um, well, the, the, I, the I actually I like I like the option of uh, fully vaccinated. Everyone wears masks and you have to bring a negative test you know, if you, if you're not vaccinated. So, but I, but I do also, I do appreciate what the Raiders have done. If, you know, if whatever, you know, upwards of 10,000 people have been stuck and started the vaccine, you know, the vaccination process, that's a good thing too. But I still think there should be an option for people who are not vaccinated, but this is an argument that's been going round and round for months and months and months now. So UNLV made their choice and um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to cover the games and I will probably mask up as much as I can when I'm on mic. I will say you are. I, I probably you, you I are. Probably, you you have been. You're diligent. I try. I don't you do. Are. I don't. I don't do as well as I should. I catch myself all the time. You know. No, but I will. The mask, but I try. No, you're uh, because diligent. I'm also. I'm also around 
the athletes and yeah. I, you know, I want to be the, the last one who would be responsible for freaking taking down a portion of a team. Right. We're, we're on location and we go on a break. You, you put your mask up. You're, you're being diligent. I, here's the thing for me. It's this is it's, it's so hard to police the, the mask mandate. So if, if you're going to require masks throughout a closed yeah. arena, uh, and you can't police it properly, then I think the only way you can do something properly is to mandate the vaccination. Now, I'm not saying that I'm for or against. I am in support with what an organization, I've said this time and time again, I am support in with what an organization, a company, a gym, whatever it may be with the decision, but stick by it and police it properly. I have been to public places where there's a sign that says masks mandate, you know, you must wear a mask. And then you walk around the facility and there's no mask or, or the, and not even around the chin. It says no mask on and employees are walking around. They're not saying a word, make your mandate, whatever it may be and stick by it. That's what I'm in support of. If you believe this fine, if you, what I like to go, I would love to be in public. I would love to go places without a mask these days, but I can't because those are the rules, and I'm just going to abide by them. I'm tired of wearing the dang mask again. Yeah. If I if I were basketball teams, I'd be very vigilant about who's around me. Yeah. In a fully vaxxed situation, because obviously being fully vaxxed, you can still you can still carry it, you can still get it. Um, and basketballs like football team, you know, you you you're missing three or four guys. That's one thing. Basketball team, all of a sudden you're down three or four guys. You saw what happened last year to a lot of college basketball. I mean, hell, UNLV was off for like 30 days. Well, and here's the thing, Steve. I'll tell you one thing, and I don't know about the general public. I don't know about yourself, but, you know, at some point, all of us, it's, you know, in a situation, whether you have a cavalier attitude or somewhat of a let your guard down attitude, when you run the risk or that's in your head of a close contact of anything or all of a sudden you, I personally get a different mentality. Okay, so it, it it's been a minute now, and I've definitely cleared this, but. And I could talk about this now. So I covered an event, didn't know anything. And I get tested regularly, right? I have to for the Raiders. Um, covered an event to find out later within 36 hours that somebody had tested positive that was in an interview room, okay? An isolated interview room, and I was in that room. The mentality that you go through until you get your two, three tests over 24, 48, 72 hours to make sure that your single, double, triple negative test, you know, you can think what you want and you can have your beliefs. I don't care what side of the fence you're on politically or just in general with the virus. This really isn't a political issue. This is a, this is a pandemic issue. But the second that you are faced with that, all of a sudden, oh man, and I'm vaccinated you still go through a little bit of mental anguish going last thing I want then this, and you're worried and you're wondering, and who have I been around? And I have elderly parents. It's, it's a different mindset when all of a sudden you're actually faced with having to get tested because you may have come in contact and, 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 uh, you know, I had COVID and, and I will say this, you know, this was long before I was part of the company, but you were one of the ones you reached out several times, messages, and said, hey, how you doing? Are you okay? And, and we talked about it. It's not a fun ordeal. So. And now for you, I mean, you've had it. Um, I, you have no idea, you know, if you got it again, if it would be severe. But the, the other thing is, um, now it's your livelihood, too. Right. So you could be out, you know, 
the second that you get it, you're done. You're, you're a freelancer. Yeah. So you, like you, you, <laughs> yeah. you're out. You can't write stories. You don't have access. No show. You, no money. No, no show. show. Yep. I mean, I guess I could do it from my house, but I mean, how, what fun is that going to be if I have if I have it severe? I don't know what I'm, what's going to happen. But yeah. yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what the reaction is. Um, and I've also I also got messages today saying, hey, the fully vaxxed situation at uh, Allegiant, like they're not real great at checking the vax cards or the apps anyway. There's and I, and you know. They're trying to do it with 60,000 people. Um, not to be a smart ass, UNLV is going to have smaller crowds than that. So I think they'll be able to manage it. And by the way, the clear app that they use, that's what they use for the Raiders, right? Clear app? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so um, it might not be the clear app for uh, Thomas and Mac, but uh, folks at the school were telling me today there'll be some sort of app so that you don't have to bring your card around and worry about losing it and fumble with it all the time. Coming up next, we're going to look at uh, this last week in NFL betting. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. The bloodbath, right? Two weeks blood ago, bath. the, the bloodbath for the sportsbooks. Oh, they were riding high this weekend. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. All right, rolling on towards the uh, World Series. Game number six is right here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100, 100.9 FM. Willie Ramirez, Cofield, Sammy P. From Nesson is going to join us here in uh, just a second. The CFP rankings are out. And, of course, like we tell you every year, it's a TV show. Don't get sucked in. I know it's easy to get sucked in. The uh, biggest stories were uh, Oklahoma at 8, Cincinnati at 5. A well-produced TV product because people are going to be all worked up about Oklahoma and, and very fired up about Cincinnati. The little guy's getting screwed again. What a TV narrative. Good job, committee. And how many weeks are left? I mean, calm down, relax. It happens every year, right? Yeah, Everyone forgets. Of Prisoners of the moment. Yes. Yes. So, you know, it's you could go on Twitter and just read on all social media. You could go on Instagram because, you know, they'll be everywhere um, and just read for hours the trolls, the anger, the angst. Are you playing the World Series tonight? I am not, but I do like the Astros, and I like the Astros because of the pitching matchup. Um, I, if you look at the, the the starters, right? Garcia versus uh, Freed. Gar- they both had four starts. Freed started off great, but his last two, he's got an ERA of over ten. Garcia has improved. He's coming off a loss to the Braves in that 2 nothing loss, but he pitched really well. So he started off rough in his first two starts, and he's improved. Uh, back home, I think Houston can uh, force this game seven. It'll be, uh, it'll be fun to see, uh, especially with the matchup, with all the anticipation of people wanting the Dodgers in the World Series and somewhat of being Debbie Downers because it was the Braves and the Astros. But it's turned out to be a pretty good one. The Astros forcing it back to Houston. So I like the Astros tonight. I think the value's there. Sam Paniotovich, Nesson, gambling expert, chicken dinner podcast. Sam, you got a play on the game tonight? No, I don't. I'm just riding out the Braves' future. You know I need that 14, 18 to 1. Um, we didn't want to hedge, uh, not just for my dead fish, Paulie, the big Braves fan, but I thought <laughs> getting this far, getting through the Dodgers was enough. I've been through too much with this damn team, and if they can't close a 3-1 World Series lead, I don't deserve to win. Damn. All right. Balls to the wall on this one. Uh, what do you got, and what are you seeing with the uh, MVP markets for the World Series? Well, it's fascinating because, you know, these are 
interesting awards when you talk about, you know, postseason options and things like that. You know, it's a seven game sample size at best. And it's still, Steve, at the end of the day, dictated by, you know, reporters and league officials. So even if a player has three home runs and he's hitting 370 or something, it doesn't mean he's going to win the World Series MVP. Um, Solaire consensus favorite now about six to one. Duvall seven to one. Freeman about eight. Austin Riley's about nine. And then you have two Astros: Altuve ten to one, twelve to one ish. Brantley's fifteen to one. But I'm telling you, if Altuve hits a grand slam in the eighth inning and forces Game Seven, he's yeah. the favorite tomorrow. Yep. So it's a market where you can really get ahead of it. Um, because it does literally swing game by game. I would argue pitch by pitch. You know, when the Texas Rangers in 2011 were about to win the World Series, we're talking about Nelson Cruz potentially being the MVP. But David Freeze hits the two-run triple, bottom of the ninth, hits a homer to win the game, hits another big hit in game number seven. All of a sudden, he's the MVP. So if you get the right player, man, get ahead of the curve, you can make a lot of money in this market. Sam Paniotovich here with us on a Tuesday. Sam's a great follow on Twitter, especially, you know, in between the uh, the games and, you know, during football season at SP Shoot. You found a freaking doozy the other day. Uh, something Uh-oh. about a scoregami and you can make a bet on a, a final <laughs> score in the NFL that never happened before. And I saw some of the feedback and people are like, this should the odds on this should be like 40, 50, 60 to one or beyond. What were the odds on this and what exactly was the promotion? Oh, man, I got to scroll back through the feed. Now, yeah, it was Saturday night. I was trying to watch college football at a bar in Vermont that only had tennis on. So that was a, a struggle in itself. It was a Bet Rivers bet boost. Uh, they boosted it. They were so generous. They boosted it from plus 120 to 2-1 to one, that there would be a scoregami in week number eight. And a scoregami, for those of you that don't know, is an NFL final score that has never occurred before. 2-1? to one? Are you kidding? What? It should be 20 to one. You know, I, I, the, the best part is the bookmakers don't respond on Twitter. They just text me directly and they are just irate because Nevada gaming would never approve something like that. Right. Uh, Two to one, about, Steve, on a score Gami. Well, I think I forget which game it was uh, a couple weeks ago. Well, I think there was like a 27 to five final or 31 five. I think it was the Texans game. And I believe that was the 1068th unique final score in the NFL like how many unique scores are left if there's I don't know 1068 that's a great question I I can't imagine there are too many combinations possible but but when you go ahead and you do you do the math you go ahead you do the math you punch it into your betting calculator a two to one shot implies a 33 percent chance of probability Mm -hmm. there's not a 33 percent chance you're going to get a scoregami on a Sunday that's crazy the I, I I'm not it's not telling me how many, uh, but on NFLScoregami.com it it has you 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 drag your cursor across the rows and the columns and every blank spot that's the scores that are still available and there are quite a few that have never been done. Okay, all right, so maybe it should be two to one. All right, there you go. Willie can open a book and offer uh, the crappy odds. <laughs> Sam is with us. By the way, Steve, I know I know you had Michigan State. I'm making my numbers here on the fly uh, because we saw the the first rankings in the college football playoffs. So Georgia, Mm -hmm. Oregon, Alabama, Michigan State. I would probably make Georgia and Oregon thirteen. I'd make it higher. What would you do with that? 
Okay, higher, 14 and a half. Yeah. So I guess I'd bet I'd bet Georgia. Well, I'm just basing it on this one. Um, I, my rankings, I have Ohio State ahead of Oregon. I know people get all pissed off at that because head-to-head Oregon won. But talking to the guys yesterday, uh, Jeff Sherman was telling me from the Westgate that their number on a rematch, neutral field, uh, Oregon and Ohio State would be Ohio State 13 and a half, 14. So Georgia, hmm, Georgia that's to me interesting. is better. Georgia to me is better than Ohio State. So I'd, I mean, if you if I had to lay two touchdowns Georgia against Oregon, I guess, I mean, I know I would lay it. I would lay it. I think that's a little too rich on Ohio State, Oregon. On a neutral, that's probably closer to and a half, eleven Ohio State. I mean, look, okay. it's, is three points a big deal? I think so. Um, yeah. But Georgia and Oregon, yeah, I, I'd probably. Well, if you opened at 13, you'd probably write it to 14. The interesting one is a team that you bet last week successfully, Michigan State. Alabama, Michigan State, man, that should be like 17 and a half on a neutral. And even that seems low when I say that out loud, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I would play Michigan State. I played Michigan State last week because I really believe in what they got going on right now. And my my whole rationale, because I don't think we talked about it, was I, I actually do think Michigan State is pretty stout, even though the score was high. But they have so many game breakers. Um, and in a lot of ways, that's that's kind of what you need to beat teams like Alabama and Georgia. You need a couple of guys who can get those chunk plays of you know five or six times a game. And Kenneth Walker the third is he might be the best running back in the country. He is the best running back in the country, and that's the only shot. But the problem yeah. is, as the season goes along, Alabama somehow gets stingier when they when it comes to stopping the run. And yeah. if you're one dimensional against them, that's how you get in trouble. If Alabama goes up. You know, ten nothing, fourteen nothing. I don't know that Michigan State's going to run the ball. They could be flustered. Uh, I don't know. Um, I man, I was so po'd though. You know, Saturday, Jim Harbaugh, fourth and two at the twenty, fourth and three at the twenty-five. You've got an all upper class offensive line. You've been running the football down their throats. He kicks two field goals. They could have been up three touchdowns in the first half, and they lose that game because they let them hang around. You know it, and I know it. Old school thinking. Old school thinking. Um, yep. So a couple of weeks ago, bloodbath. You know, you hear some of the sportsbook guys say, oh, we got beat up badly. This weekend, they killed us in return. And one of the craziest spots of the weekend was the Vikings and Cowboys line. Oh, absolutely. So I believe there were seven underdogs with outright upsets on Sunday which is great for the books. Jets, Packers, although Packers were sort of a public dog. Steelers outright, Saints outright against the Bucks. Patriots outright against the Chargers. Titans outright against the Colts. Uh, Carolina outright in their game. And I think that they played Atlanta. And then you mentioned it, the, uh, the eighth underdog that won outright was Dallas. That line, I believe, Wednesday morning was Dallas minus three at one offshore book. Mostly Dallas minus two and a half. And then we saw Thursday gets to Minnesota minus two, two and a half. Um, the market told you, though, Steve, clearly that the Dak Prescott wasn't playing. And I had people telling me, you know, Saturday, Sunday, oh, he's going to go. He'll please a gamer. The market literally told you he wasn't playing. Hmm. And then I had other people telling me, oh, well, Minnesota's going to go to minus seven. No, they're not. <laughs> because there are sharp betters that have, you know, Minnesota pick them, Minnesota minus one, that are going to come back and hammer Dallas plus four. You can't get middle there on Sunday night football. It could shut the lights out. Um, Well, that's a little hyperbolic. It's not going to shut the lights out. But the last thing you want to do is get middled and have that game land Minnesota by a field goal or Minnesota by four, and you're dealing Minnesota pick earlier in the week, and then you're dealing Dallas plus six or something. You just you can't have that. But, yeah, I mean, that, that line already told you. It moved six points, and that's how much Dak Prescott's worth. 
Dak is playing for Dallas this week, right? It's 10, nine and a half against Denver. The market says he's playing. Yeah, I think what you'll see, Steve, is if he's not going to play, I think you'll see that thing probably cross through seven. I would imagine if, if it's ruled out later in the week that the deck, you know, had a blow up with the calf and it's not anywhere near 100 percent, the, the nine and a half turn into eight and a half. And then all of a sudden it's eight. And then here come the chasers and they take it down to seven. And then once he's ruled out, it, it crosses through six and a half, six. But by all accounts, he's going to play. Um, I saw him, by the way, I think it was DraftKings has Dak now minus 500 to win the comeback player of the year. It's a it's a layup at this point. You got to put down five to win one on Prescott to be the uh, comeback player, and he's right there, man, for MVP. I mean, what a race this is going to be with Josh Allen and Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott. Um, I think Herbert slipped a little bit. Mahomes has slipped a lot, but with Derek those Carr. four cats at the top, man, yeah, Derek Carr, <laughs> Henry Ruggs. Um, no, I mean like Ooh. those guys at the top. Those guys at the top, man. It's going to be a hell of a race on the stretch. Sammy, in the past, we've heard the phrase public teams, Dallas Cowboys, the Raiders, the New England Patriots. With sports betting going nationwide as it is and just widespread and being accepted across the, the league now with sponsorships, is there a change at all? Have you seen are – are other teams infiltrating that, that somewhat trademark phrase, public teams, or are we still seeing the same teams being public teams? Um. It's an interesting question. I think in college football, you still pay a premium on teams like Tampa Bay. You pay it on Dallas. Um, you, you pay it still sort of on the San Francisco 49ers, although they're not nearly as talented as they've been. Um, Arizona's sort of being priced like a public team this year, but that could be you know an outlier. I don't know if that sticks around for a couple seasons. And then you've got uh, the Chicago Bears. I mean, people still bet them. Uh, every week like they know the final score but you know teams like the Packers the Cowboys the Buccaneers those are the heavy teams that people pretty much bet no matter what and they always bet them when they're dogs when Dallas is catching points when Green Bay is catching points if Tampa's ever going to catch points this season even Kansas City I mean, Kansas City was like 10 points last night how the hell were they laying 10 the team hasn't done anything and they're laying 10 points they barely beat the Giants you still pay taxes on teams like that because everybody bets them, and most importantly, everybody puts them in their parlays and money line parlays too. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Raiders go through a little bit of a off-field drama. They rebound two big games. Now they're going through something else. The lines, I see a couple of two and a half, still three. How do you treat this game? Well, Cofield, they already moved the moved the market on this one, right? What'd you get, Steve? Plus three? Yeah, it was plus three, but I had to play. I had to pay minus one fifteen at the time. Well, you know, you could argue that cool. you could argue that, well, it's not the most important number. It's the second most important number in the NFL, seven being the most and three being right. the second most. Right. I don't hate you laying 15 to take three. Um, I mean, you're really only, you know, now the market's two and a half flat. So you're going to lay 10 to win or you're going to lay minus 110 to, to take two and a half. You're you're laying an right. extra five cents. You got you got a lot yeah. more protection in overtime or something and I, like that. And I, and I think it's going to go down more. Um I mean, Probably close. Yeah. yeah, we're already seeing one and Philly a half. down. Philly down to one and a half with the Chargers. Um, yeah, two or one and a half. So, I mean, that team's going to be a mess. I, I don't know. I mean, just imagine being in that room the last month and all the things they've had to deal with, exactly. with the John Gruden stuff, and and they they rallied up around that, and now one of their best young players just did a horrifying thing 
off the field. And I, you just wonder, like, how much longer does the air stay in the balloon there? I, I know the numbers guys don't like them uh, because we see that, you know, the Raiders, even though they're a playoff team right now, they're barely favored to make the playoffs. So people don't believe in what they've done and they don't believe in the schedule. But that's that's a tough situation, man. I wouldn't bet the Raiders this weekend. No way. Follow Chicken X Dinner on Twitter. The bartender actually doing kind of well this year. The fading him has been a little bit dangerous. Well, he was due to win a couple after last year's 11 and 23 record. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. Uh, 11 and eight now, 11 and nine, something like that. He'll he'll throw it back. He'll throw it back. The good times are coming for all of us who fade <laughs> the bartender. All right, Sam, we appreciate it, buddy. Thank Thanks, you. Sammy. All right, yeah, I'll see you. There he is, Sammy Peniatovich. Thanks to uh, John Cincinnati from the Las Vegas Bowl for coming on earlier. Miles Simmons as well. Willie, good job. We got a uh, big week on the way. Tomorrow we're at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, so join us for that one. Thanks to Mateo here at Nova Home Loans. Thanks to Nova Home Loans for hosting the show. World Series, game number six, coming up. We out.